0: You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 60. Well, welcome back, Curd Nerds. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, thanks for joining me again this week uh, and welcome to any of my YouTube followers who have come across from the YouTube channel. I put a little call out for um, any YouTubers out there who follow the Cheeseman.tv YouTube channel to uh, come across and have a listen to the audio-only podcast. One of the things I hadn't been doing was promoting uh, this podcast uh, actively over there. I'd definitely been uh, promoting... The other way around, but but not the other way around, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Now, because I've caught up with the Ask the Cheese Man questions on YouTube, I have a swag of email questions and I have a couple of voicemails. So what we'll do, we'll get the voicemails uh, out of the way first uh, and we'll answer those. And then I'll do my very best in my best Australian accent, which that's what I've got. We will answer the questions for all the other lovely people, all the other curd nerds who have written in with a question or an observation or what have you. So let's do that now, shall we?
1: Hi Gavin, it's Joe over here in the UK in Kent. Um, I recently sent you an email because I'm a new cheesemaker Um I've now got the courage to uh, leave you a voicemail. Um, I asked the question of what cheese could you recommend with a little bit of bite and also I uh, wouldn't take too long to mature and you very kindly recommended the Kefili. Um, Which I will be making hopefully um, in the next couple of weekends. Um, But the question I'd like to ask you um, is I have three different areas where I can mature, um, and I'm not sure which one will be the best. I've got inside but out without any heating, and it's about 16 Celsius and only 50 to 60 percent humidity. For uh, out in the garage, obviously, at this time of year, it's much cooler, um, and that's 7 to 10.5 uh, Celsius, and that's 80 to 80%, 88% of humidity. Or um, I also have a fridge outside, but I can only get it down up to 3.4 to 4.5 Celsius. Um, and that's at ninety-two percent humidity. So I wondered, certainly for the cefili and some of the um, other semi-hard uh, or hard cheeses, which one you would recommend? Um, I'm very grateful for, for an answer, and thanks very much. Your website is brilliant, and I've learnt so much in such a short time. Okay, thanks.
0: Well, thanks for your question, Joe. Um, I hope I can be of help. So. I think the inside would be too warm. So 16 degrees, definitely too warm. I think that in the fridge should be definitely too cold. And Baby Bear says that in the garage would be the best. Now, there's a caveat on that, of course, that you would, it would have to be safe that no mice would be able to get to your cheese. Obviously, it would have to be somewhere um, out of the way that would be enclosed and uh, no vermin could get to your cheese. <laughs> I'm not sure how you would achieve that, but I'll leave that to you. Certainly is the uh, right humidity and the, uh, the right temperatures uh, to age your cheeses there. It would be preferable if, I don't know how you would do it, whether you put them in a box or but I'll, I'll let you figure it out. It's the right temperature, it's the right humidity. How you keep them safe from from harm, I'll let you figure that one out. But uh, yeah, it sounds like you've got the perfect place to to mature your cheese. So uh, all the best, Joe, and happy cheese making. Um, I think Joe has uh, another question, so let me just play that.
1: Hi, Gavin. Sorry, it's Joe again. I forgot to uh, ask you, what would happen if, I was trying to make, a, say, a Kefili, um or any other semi-hard cheese, and uh, the temperature remained just too low. So, say, for instance, I put it in the fridge and it was uh, 3.4 to 4.5. Does it mean that the um, lactic acid does not produce in the cheese um, to uh, allow it to ripen? Is that the correct understanding, or am I getting it completely wrong? Thanks very much.
0: Thanks, Joe. The... Now, you're along the right lines. It just means that the uh, the lactic bacteria uh, slows right down and in some cases goes completely dormant. I'm not quite sure. It depends on what, what strains you're using. It may s- stop completely and down at those temperatures. Um, most cheeses don't ripen very quickly at all. That's why the, the ideal temperature is around... Between 10 to 13 degrees Celsius is when they're at a they're at the right temperature where they won't multiply too fast and just go crazy and spoil your cheese, but they're slowed down enough that they produce the right amount of acid and create the right texture for the type of cheese that you've made. Um, they've just found that over time cheese cheesemakers and um mainly women cheesemakers over the ages through one of the history books that I've been reading lately, which is very interesting. So hopefully that answers your question, Joe, and thanks very much. Don't uh, don't be afraid to send them in any time you like. Well, that's all the uh, voicemail questions we have this week. Uh, don't be scared to send them in. You can just go to the uh, contact page. So go to uh, littlegreencheese.com slash contact hyphen me and you will see a web form to fill out to send me a question. Okay, I'm on with the email questions. Right, the first one is from Amanda, and I believe this is our friend Amanda from Alaska. Amanda says, Hi Gavin, thanks a bunch for your insight on smoking cheese. I just made howdah following your video and added one and a half teaspoons of liquid smoke in the final stirring stage of the cheese and curds before draining draining the whey and pressing. It smells smoky and is drying now, but I can't wait to try it in several weeks. Waiting is my least favourite part in cheesemaking. I will be sure to let you know how it turned out. I am now going to venture into the world of Camembert. I was wondering if I could wrap it in just regular wax paper or if I have to buy the specific cheese wrap paper. Thanks again for sharing all your knowledge on the wonders and joys of cheese. Smiley face, Amanda. Well, thank you very much, Amanda, for your question and letting us know that you've given the liquid smoker go. Um, I'm probably about two weeks ahead of you, so we will see what happens when I cut into mine. If it's a complete flop, then I've probably uh, trashed every uh, home cheesemaker's plans, but I doubt it because there are so many smoked cheese, fla- flavoured cheese cheeses out there. I'll get my words out in a minute. <laughs> so many smoked flavoured cheeses out there on the market, uh, and that is is exa- exactly how they do it. Anyway... So, the uh, camembert question. Uh, Yeah, so the uh, camembert paper or the wrap, uh, cheese wrap paper is micro-perforated on one side. It has a. uh, It's kind of like a wax coating. Sorry, it's it's a wax proof coating, uh, and it's got lots of holes. The other side is kind of shiny. And what that does, it allows the cheese to breathe. So when it has Penicillium candidum all over, you know, the white mould all over the the cheese, it actually produces ammonia. And if you don't let the ammonia escape, it gets a terrible smell, and the cheese develops off flavour. So the purpose of that wrap is to let the cheese breathe and those uh, those gases to escape. Uh, so you could Look, you could give it a try using regular wax paper, if it works fantastic. They must have made camembert without it back in the old days. I'm pretty sure they just um, wrapped them in something I, I don't know. I, I can't find anything in the history book I'm reading on cheese. They don't go really too much into French cheese history. It's mainly uh, the Romans, and then it skips ahead to the the English and then um, American um, cheese history. So not a lot of French cheese history in the, in the book I'm reading. So I'm not too sure how they wrapped camembert originally, but now they use micro-perforated cheese wrap. So give regular wax paper a try. It can't hurt as long as it's loosely wrapped and uh, see what happens. If it doesn't work out first time around, obviously, during the ripening phase, then obviously you're going to have to change that out and lash out and buy some uh, cheese wrap paper. Anyway, thanks for letting us know that you've uh, given the a smoked gouda a try, and uh, for your Camembert question, Amanda, and hope to hear from you soon. Okay, the next question is from Barbara, and Barbara is a regular commenter on, on the YouTube channel, and she sent me a few, few emails here and then. She says, hi, Gavin, it's about feta cheese. What is the proper way to brine feta after it has had all of the whey drained off it? I've read that you should cut the fetter into chunks, soak it for a day in the brine and let it dry, and then put it into storage. I have read that you should cut the fetter into chunks, salt it for two days, drain off the extra whey, and then store it in brine for storage, which is correct. I am a bit confused. Barbara from... Oh, I can't even say that word. Um, Norg and Tuck in Connecticut, USA. Well, thank you very much, Barbara. Well, yes, I've seen both those methods in recipe books, and I believe from looking at uh, YouTube videos on how they do it in uh, Greece, uh, both are wrong. (laughs) What they actually do is they press it into blocks, quite large blocks. They put them into oak barrels. Sorry, they dry salt them first and leave them out these big, these are big blocks. I'm talking, I would say five kilo blocks of feta, uh, which is what, 10, 10 and a bit, maybe 11 pounds. Uh, they dry salt all over the surface and then they leave them out at room temperature for, a temperature for about five days. And then they throw them in a big uh, oak barrel full of brine. The brine's not fully saturated, but it's pH balanced down to, from what I've read. And this is what I'm actually experimenting with this at the moment. Uh, it's between 5.2 and 4.8 pH, and that's a stable brine that allows the cheese not to go soggy, and uh, you can keep it in there for long periods of time. Now, Greek feta and I think Bulgarian feta, are very similar recipes, uh, is actually stored in the brine for up to 12 months before they actually take it out and ship it internationally. So. What I've done is a kind of a combination that I've actually made another video tutorial. So what I basically did was make a 10% brine solution. Um, I pressed my fetter block that I made out of four litres of goat's milk. Um, I put it into the brine and it's still sitting there at room temperature. Uh, I made it on the weekend just past and um, it's not going slimy, which is fantastic and it's absorbing, you know, a decent amount of salt. It's not the fully saturated brine that I normally use, which is at about uh, between 16 and 18%. So it's not going to be as salty as as those uh, cheeses that I, you know, brine salt and then take them out after 12 to 24 hours. Uh, this is a long-term solution for storing and, and initially salting it. When it has been floating on top of the brine, I have been just putting a little bit of salt on top uh, not very much, not as much as I would if I was um, brine salting something like a Gruyere or a Parmesan or any of the uh, the normal cheeses you've seen on the on the video channel uh, that I would normally brine, just a light and then flip it over, lightly salting it and then flip it over again and then leave it. Um, so I turn it once a day, leave it at room temperature for the flavours develop, to develop for about three to four days and then what I'm going to do is take it out. And then I'll put that into the fridge for storage. I'll cut it in half. We'll eat half. And I'm going to see how long I can store it for. I would say that uh, it says in the recipe that I've got that it says it can store up to four months. I reckon I'll be able to store it a lot longer than that. So that's what I do. So I think probably all ways are okay. I have done it this method that I'm, I'm doing it. I've done it about four times before. Uh, but never with goat's milk, or always with cow's milk. So I don't think there'll be much difference, even though um, goat's milk's got a little bit more fat content in it than uh, cow's milk has. So, uh, yeah, you can follow somebody who's done it to try it and trude. Hopefully that has helped out, but uh, try your own way. Uh, if you want to follow the way I do it, then um quite happy for you to do that, Barbara. But uh, just for your info, it's two litres of uh, boiled, cooled water, And it's uh, 250 grams of salt, so it's uh, it's half of a saturated solution. You don't need to float an egg on it or anything like that. And uh, we add a tablespoon of white vinegar, and we add a teaspoon of calcium chloride. We then test the pH using um, pH strips or a pH meter to um, see what the... Uh, pH levels are at, and if we need to, then we add half a teaspoon, sorry, half a tablespoon more, um, to get the levels right. Once you're between 5.2 and 4.8 pH acidity, then uh, then you're right to put the cheese in, and it won't go slimy. And that, dear listeners, is the reason why cheese does go slimy if you haven't got a balanced pH brine solution. Many people have written into me before. Asking why does my cheese go slimy when I put it in brine. That is the reason. There is an ion imbalancement, so unbalanced ions in your brine that the, um, uh, the, the fats in the cheese want to escape into the brine. That's why it makes the outside of it go slimy. I think I've got that right. Don't flame me if I haven't. But that's the, I think that's the pretty good reason. Anyway, thanks, Barbara, for your question. All right, the next question is from, uh, it's from Andre. And Andre says, Hi, Gavin, thanks for sharing all your hard work and knowledge with us. I have a question for you and don't think you cover it in your Q&A videos. I will start to make cheese and wish to know what is the difference between waxing and sous vide for ageing cheeses? Sous vide. Oh, right, I think he means vacuum packing. That um, I saw you unwrap your cheddar and seem to mature it in plastic. Is the sous vide make, make ageing slower? Did the cheese cave humidity still really important in plastic wrapping? Uh, I have a sous vide machine and think it's easier to, u- than, to use than using wax. Thanks for your help. Wish you a great day from your little Padawan curd nerd. Thanks <laughs> Andre, that's cool Okay, so Yes, the, look, these days Plastic wrap is a lot easier to use For your hardcore curd nerds Yeah, people like like to use wax I oh, look, I'm finding these days That a lot less trouble And fuss, getting away With vacuum packing Is the easiest solution Um, Except for obviously soft and fresh Cheeses, you can't do too much about that At all, you can't vacuum pack them Because they go flat You can't vacuum pack mould ripened cheeses because that just doesn't work either. So you can't really get away with that. So it's only the semi-hard and the hard cheeses that you can get away with. I even tried to vacuum pack Havarti, which was so soft that over time it started to flatten. It still tasted okay, but I just couldn't get away with that one. So avoid your really soft curd wash cheeses, but all the rest are fine. Perfect for you to age in plastic and, uh, yeah, that sort of material is uh, is quite fine to use. Uh, they're all food-grade plastics these days, those machines, and uh, I certainly have aged, live-aged Parmesan and Romano um, for up to 12 months, even a, a Montasio, I think that's right, um, for 18 months in plastic, and there were no off, no off smells, no leaching, nothing like that, and it was fine. And the flavour was just fantastic. The cheese aged perfectly. So, look, I don't think there's any issues with using vacuum packing or sous vide. So, give it a go. I have no issues with it whatsoever. I'm not one of those hardcore curd nerds. Whatever works as far as I'm concerned. Use the tools that are available to you as a uh, home cheese maker. So, Enjoy, Andre, and uh, have a great time making your cheese. Thanks for your question. Next question, and this will be the last one for today, is from Luke. And not sure where Luke's from. Now, Luke uh, says, Hey, Gavin, love the videos. My wife and I are huge fans, and we watch your videos all the time. I'm the maker, and she's the taster. Well, I think she's got... Hang on, I think maybe you got the better end of the deal. My wife's the taster as well. Oh, and so are the Puppuccinos. Uh, (laughs) I have a question about the surface of the pressed cheese. I think my last batch of Gouda had too much surface area because it's slightly dry. Can you tell me a little bit about how surface area impacts drying and ageing process? This wheel of Gouda was somewhat flat and wide so it was more pancake shaped i'm not sure if you've spoken about this in a podcast or blog post but please point me in the right direction thanks and keep up the good work luke well luke i think that surface area does have uh, does play a big difference in your cheese so uh, back in the old days they used to make a lot of small cheeses because they were fresh and they wanted them to um, stay as fresh as they possibly could so they made them small so they could digest them quicker um, as they needed to transfer, transport them um, further and further, they made it, na- they needed to make them larger. So, they actually needed to make the cheeses drier. So, they started making the cheeses larger. So, the larger the surface area, the more they would dry out. So, in the same case as you, that you had a bit of a pancake sort of cheese, you had a larger surface area for your cheese. So, it does. It, the cheese evaporate more moisture evaporates out of the cheese the larger surface area that you have top and bottom so even during air drying you probably found that the cheese was a lot drier on the surface and you may have found depends on how you how you matured it if you matured it naturally and had a natural rind then it would have dried out even further if you waxed it, you might have got away with it, but if it was still quite slightly dry, then, yeah, it would certainly will be the surface area. So uh, it, it's only an issue if you let it air dry too long. It may be slightly dry because you may have overstirred it or the, the heat might have been too high within the cheese itself. So there's other, maybe other contributing factors to your cheese. So hopefully that's answered your question, Luke. Yes, it could be one of the contributing factors to why it's a bit dry, but it may not necessarily be the only contributing factor. But anyway, thanks for your question, and keep on watching the videos and listening to the podcast. Thanks, Luke and wife. You didn't say her name, mate. So she didn't get a shout-out, sorry. Now, don't forget that uh, I'm doing twice-weekly videos over at uh, Cheeseman.tv. You can catch more cheesy goodness other than the podcast here. And also we are, sorry, we, I, my, no, we, my lovely wife and I, Kim, are running a uh, beginner's cheese making course. I've got two positions still open on the 1st of April, which is a Saturday here in Melton, The course will be held at the Milton South Community Centre. So if you need any details, just shoot through an email through to the contact page at littlegreencheese.com and have a look there. This week's patrons are Jason, Sue and Luke. Thank you very much for your support. If you want to support the show and the YouTube channel, pop over to littlegreencheese.com slash support, uh, where you can pledge your support financially to keep the podcasts and videos flowing and to help me create these lovely cheese making resources for free. Well, thanks very much, everybody. <coughs> or should there be a cow this week? There you go, you got both. Don't forget that you can pick up my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese at all good ebook retailers. You can also find a copy over at littlegreencheese.com. It's in PDF format, which actually includes QR codes that will take you to all of the associated YouTube videos for each recipe. It's a recent update. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Curd Nerds, and don't forget to send in your questions via the contact page. Until next time, thanks for listening and happy cheesemaking. During the show, you heard Malt Shop Bop and Call to the Dairy Cows by Kevin McLeod.
1: See ya.